1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Rangers say the SPFL vote can't be taken seriously And again call for the suspension of Neil Doncaster Money has now been given out to clubs though After the controversial ballot And Robbie Nielsen's delighted he can plan for Dundee United In the top flight next season I'm Gordon Duncan Joining me in the studio is Cammy Bell And once again it's Hugh Keevans from home Gordon, since Scottish football is now engulfed by civil war, here is today's team news as the rival sides face up to each other using the buzzwords of the week. In goal, allegation. Back four, suspicion, suspension, insinuation, misinformation. In midfield, intimidation and coercion. Up front, litigation, accusation, maladministration and investigation. No subs, they've all been furloughed. What formation was that? Uh, Just making sure you've definitely got 11 players on the pitch. 424. Alright, oh, okay, very, rolling it back. Old school, I quite like that. Uh, Cammy Bell, you join us in the studio. What on earth do you make of the last week in Scottish football? Uh, a real mess, to be honest. I think it's um, it's been an interesting week. I, I, I didn't think the the whole thing that happened last Friday with Dundee um, was good light for Scottish football, and it's, it's kind of tainted Scottish football a little bit. There's obviously been a lot of criticism from down south the way it's been handled, and and uh, Neil Doncaster's been in for a lot of criticism as well I mean Hugh Keevans One short week ago We were in this studio When the, the votes were counted But they weren't all there And then they arrived later on But only after they had been withdrawn You all know the story by now um, That was a week ago And it's been madness ever since Well Cammy's right The civil war was started When a no vote Then became a yes vote And logic seems to have gone out the window As a result Rangers as you say Have repeated their demand For the SPL's chief executive And his in-house lawyer To be suspended But they won't tell anyone What for And Rangers also allege That the SPFL chairman Is not impartial But Stephen Gerrard says He wants Mother McLennan To show real leadership Make their mind up 0141-951-1025 That's the number you need to get in touch tonight So let us know what's on your mind And we're on Twitter as well At Clyde SSB um, Cammy, there's various different strands to this Obviously, you know, there's There's the, the resolution, there's the outcome There's how we got there There is reconstruction, various strands So let's start with the the resolution itself Before we worry about how we got there And votes and, and no votes and all the rest of it What about the the outcome? The fact that we have called an end To the lower league season Is that is that something that you agree with? Something you've got a problem with? Um, I've, not, I've not got a problem I understand why it's happened um, Finances have pretty much dictated that For a lot of the, the lower league clubs um, And I also think For me, I, I would like to have seen us Give it a little bit more chance of the season actually being finished um, Whether we could made payments to clubs that, To all clubs I mean I, I've said before Why didn't we Why didn't we just make payments On the positions they're in at the moment um, But not call an end to the season And then readjust the payments next year If 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 we get the season started back in July, August um, I just thought it was vitally important That we finish this season And Hugh I was sort of thinking about you As I do um, Not in a creepy way Don't worry In the last few days You'll have been chomping at the bit to, to have your say on this You've not been on the show since it, it really kicked off on Wednesday Everyone went into this with a seemingly you know, seemingly 
with their eyes wide open as to how difficult it was going to be and how complex it was going to be. But I wonder if this has blown up in a way that even you, with all your years' experience and all your sometimes your cynicism towards Scottish football, if this has blown up in a way that even you couldn't have imagined. No, I think I'm entirely cynical about it, Gordon. Uh, I suspect that this will scar Scottish football not only for years to come, for generations to come. Uh, the wounds will take a long time to heal, if ever. Uh, you know, 81% voted for this uh, at the end of the day. Uh, it's not ideal, but no one has come up with a counter-resolution that would have been successful. 81% voted for it. I don't think that's coercion. Uh, I understand what Cammy's saying about money could have been released to clubs. I'm also led to believe that the SPFL were burnt a few years ago when they gave Gretna a loan and did not receive any payment back whatsoever because Gretna then went out of business altogether. Now, if you multiply that by X times, uh, given the current financial plight uh, in the country as well as in football, uh, perhaps the SPFL were fearful of giving out a lot of money in the form of loans Football not resuming in time to save clubs and the SPL have therefore given out a lot of money that they cannot recoup. As I say, there's no ideal formula here. We are now engulfed by civil war. Uh, Rangers are leading the charge here. I think if Rangers want to lead the charge properly by asking for an investigation and also this matter of the suspension of uh, Rod McKenzie and Neil Doncaster, Rangers have to come forward and tell us what they have. Show us what information you have that implies wrongdoing on the part of the chief executive of the SPFL. 01419511025 to have your say. That takes us on nicely, Hugh, to where we were going to kick off tonight anyway because this Rangers statement yesterday was a flurry of statements and the day before that and the day before that it's been a bit quieter today um, maybe some sort of a Friday feeling in among Scottish football not that you can go anywhere at the weekend uh, but Rangers statement dropped about quarter past seven last night which makes it you know on the back pages of all the newspapers and so on this morning I'll pick out the highlights for you if you've not heard it the main crux of it no fair-minded person can take the outcome of this vote seriously. The SPFL has conducted a process which has been misleading and deeply flawed. It hits out at the publishing the outcome prior to all clubs having voted. Talks about being concerned that clubs weren't given enough information or time. Again, another allegation that several club directors claim they were bullied. Um, it talks about its own... Um, proposal to the SPFL and then Douglas Park already requested an independent investigation into the conduct of the executive. The SPFL appear to have knowledge the need for an internal investigation but only an independent one will be satisfactory. Uh, we repeat the call for the immediate suspension of Neil Doncaster and Rod McKenzie pending the outcome of that independent investigation. The bottom line says the anger of our fans is understood and shared by our board. We continue to examine all legal options Available here. Yeah, they've covered a lot of ground there. I go back to the point if someone came to our employers at Radio Clyde and said, I'd, uh, I'm calling for Hugh Keevens and Gordon Duncan to be suspended, I have evidence of wrongdoing. You would expect your employer to say, Oh, uh, what evidence do you have? And if the reply is, Well, I'm not telling you, then <laughs> you know, you really have to come forward and 
tell us why there should be an investigation. You can't call for two men to be suspended. A very, very serious thing when one is a lawyer and the other one is the chief executive of the SPFL, you have to tell people why you wish them to be suspended and what it is you're alleging they have done that is wrong. As for the question of bullying, 81% voted this proposal through. It is far from ideal. No one in their right mind would say it's an ideal solution. But 81% voted for it. Were they all bullied? Don't drag me into this. Your analogy was great, but I get calls for your suspension all the time. Um, <laughs> don't don't drag me into it. Cammy, like I say, it's just another... It's another subplot to all this We've got one of our biggest clubs At war with the leadership of the league Yeah, I mean ultimately it's because The whole thing was a shambles I mean um, the vote For me, I think some of the things in the statement are true I think it wasn't enough time It wasn't clear enough um, For me, a, a voting situation And you give everyone all the information they need To the, all the clubs Give them a time scale, a clear time scale With enough time to ask any questions at the that the, the SPFL can answer um, and give information to them. And then if the vote isn't in by then, the vote doesn't count. It's, it's, it's just not there. If, if you give them a clear time, five o'clock on a Friday after maybe, say, three weeks, 21 days, um, and if the vote isn't in by then, it, it's null and void. It, it, their vote don't count. And then you take the, the percentage off the votes that are in. Difficult times. 01419511025. Robert is first up. He's a Rangers fan tonight from Newlands. Hi, Robert. Hi gents, hope you're keeping safe during these difficult times um, The first point, the point I want to make tonight is I just don't understand why Rangers are being so vocal uh, during this um, situation At the end of the day, it's, the, it's probably the most difficult decision the Scottish um, like Scottish football's had to take in a very, very long time There's talks of reshuffle, X, Y, Z I'm just, I just, I'm not sure what the statements are trying to say I totally agree with you with regards to if you've got evidence, clearly you need to show it. Unless their tactic is we're going to hold our cards close to our chest and reveal it at a better time when probably vulnerability will play its part. But I'm just, I, I just don't understand what we're doing. We're just shooting ourselves in the foot and making us, ourselves look like idiots. At the end of the day, I don't see any uh, evidence of bullying. At the end of the day, we haven't really put ourselves a very good argument because we're 13 points behind the leader Celtic. Maybe if we had a better argument with our form and maybe for a couple of points behind or maybe even six points max we maybe have more of an argument but these statements are just not needed at this moment in time at this, at this stage teams like they just sell to Aberdeen like I say the top five need to come together to maybe find a solution and instead of behaving like children they should uh, think about the bigger scale here there's potential clubs They've been around for 100 years that could go down under because of this. You seem to be in a, in a bit of a minority, Robert, or certainly from the ones that contact this show. This week on the show, we've had Rangers fans very, very angry at the situation. Multiple talk, um, you know, multiple calls talking about boycotting away grounds next season. Someone went as far as to say they won't buy tickets for concerts at Hamden on the back of this. So why are you not in line with a lot of your fellow Rangers fans? I think it's because, like, at the end of the day, I've been calling for an, internal, uh, an external investigation for the SPFL almost since its inception. I just don't think it's very well run at all. But at the end of the day, this is not the time to call it. And it's not time to start throwing toys out the pram. There's bigger issues here than um, in the world and also in football because I understand that fans are frustrated because we do, Rangers fans do feel that Scottish football always has 
I think like I want to go at them all the time. They always just want to uh, put Rangers down, but that's not the case this time. At the end of the day, no decision is going to be popular at this stage. It was a democratic vote. It went abysmally. We can't even have a vote without a problem, and that's that, that's a joke in itself. But at this stage, we can't just start throwing toys at the pram. We need to just. Um, I don't know how to say this, like, man up and just get on with it. Because at the end of the day, we're in a lot better position than a lot of the clubs in Scotland. Hugh Keevans. Yeah, um, Robert makes some very fair-minded points. However, the the SPFL is made up of the clubs, uh, 42 of them. And included among the nine-man SPFL board is Rangers Chief Executive. So, you know, he... I understand was going along with this proposal, uh, but now Rangers have decided they don't uh, feel that the administration of the SPFL is fit for purpose. I go back to the original point. If you want an external investigation, I think that's only fair. However, this is Planet Scotland. Who will be acceptable to everyone as the external investigator? Who is going to look into the uh, the no vote that became a yes vote and whatever it is Rangers think they have on Rod McKenzie and Neil Doncaster? Who in this country will be acceptable to all parties? In fairness to Stuart Robertson, though, you can be on a board with people and, and disagree with them and, and, and have a opposing view. So um, granted, that working dynamic might be quite interesting at the moment. Cammy, I think Robert's the first Rangers fan we've had on this week who's who's not sort of you know b- behind the the statements and, and, and all the rest of it. What do you make of of the way Rangers are are handling it at the moment? Obviously, they're very disappointed that the season's not going to continue. Um, and, and again, I go back to the way things have been handled. Um, probably very frustrated. Um, if that vote had went swimmingly and went well, would would they be reacting the same way? I'm not too sure. Um, Again, as Hugh says, if they've got evidence, they, they need to present it at some point and, and, and show what they've got against uh, Neil Doncaster. Um, so, I mean, ultimately time will tell whether Rangers show that hand and, and, and play it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they do. And Hugh, you mean, you know more than me about lots of things. I wonder if you know for sure if such a thing exists. What does it take to get an independent investigation? Does it require... X amount of clubs to back it I, I can't imagine Although I don't know I, I can't imagine that One club just calls for it You know and, and then it happens So do Rangers need allies On this claim You would look at obvious candidates Like Hearts and Partick Thistle And Falkirk Who although Are very unhappy with the SPFL Have issued subsequent statements To the vote With no real mention of Legal action Or, or, or sort of serious Threats or questions to To Neil Doncaster Specifically um, The Rangers need allies in this or, or can they call for an independent investigation On their own and get one Well for me it's an unprecedented situation Gordon I can never recall anyone calling for The suspension of The chief executive of the league's governing body Now if There is a rule in place And an investigation can be uh, Sanctioned Given that you have X amount of backing if Rangers were to go to any club at all, or clubs within the SPFL, to ask them to go to the barricades with them, well, they'll surely any other chairman or chief executive would say, well, before we go to the barricades with you, why are we going? What have you got on them? 
So they'll have to, if there is allegations of wrongdoing, they're going to have to make this known before anyone can support or not support their case for the suspension of a lawyer and a chief executive. I mean, Robert, uh, an innocent explanation, and granted there's no such thing in this part of the world, but if a Rangers fan or someone from Rangers was to say, we don't believe it's been handled properly and we want to find out why, is is, is there really anything wrong with that side of it? Of course there's not. I mean, like, that's, as I'm saying, like, there's nothing wrong of wanting an investigation. I just think the manner of which we've uh, gone about it is wrong. That's the point I'm trying to make out. Um, but I generally believe that it has to be a democratic one. You can't, you can't just say, look, we're Rangers, we're going to launch this investigation, try to get an external investigator. It has to be sort of um, a unanimous vote, I believe, in order to get to do that. Because a lot of clubs do benefit from the SPFL's kind of uh, structure and uh, how it's run, but some clubs don't. And I just think it's a bit... Um, as I say, I'll go back and uh, word childish. I just don't understand why we need to keep involving ourselves in a very difficult situation. And calling for sacking and suspicions uh, during this time is probably the worst thing you can do because it's not like there's any work at the moment. So um, it's just, uh, I think it's just a complete shambles. And I think Rangers and the board and everyone that's involved with this um, statement need to really take a look at and look at themselves. Cami, if you were to list the clubs who've been really burned by this at the moment, Obvious candidate. If we start at the top, Hearts they feel like they've been, you know, unfairly. Would we unfairly relegated down the line? Partick Thistle, yeah. Falkirk, who were one point behind Wraith, and they've just had to watch Wraith being given a title that they were one point off. Stranraer at the bottom, on the pitch, if you like. If you look at the league tables, they're the clubs that have been burned most by this. So it will be interesting to find if any of them are are in the Rangers camp with regards to real calls for you know. Change or, or suspensions or whatever at the top of the SPFL. It was interesting to, to see Partick Thistle's reaction um, after the decision was made because before it they made a bit of noise about legal action um, and then they've backed down pretty quickly. Um, so whether or not that, that tells its own story that they've been told something that the reconstruction of the leagues is almost there and will will more than likely happen. Um, same, with, same with Falkirk, as you say, were we're only one point behind. Patrick Fissel, I think, were two points behind but a game in hand. So that's completely unfair. They've not even played the same amount of games as Queen of the South and been relegated. So it's um, it, it's, it's obviously a, a real difficult decision. Um, but just the reaction to them two clubs tells me a story that, that they've maybe been told um, that this reconstruction's further down the line than we know. Falkirk and Dundee United, two of your most recent clubs, are at opposite ends of the spectrum here. One's been handed a title that they Probably were going to win But would have rather won it in different circumstances And the other ones had one taken away from them That they believed they could go on and win Have you been in touch with any teammates Former teammates To, to sort of find out just, just what it's been like At either end of the spectrum I spoke to boys from both clubs actually And, and Dundee United are probably a little bit disappointed That they couldn't do it on the pitch Because they've been phenomenal all season And you work hard all season To go and get that day to celebrate with the fans And for the fans as well to go and enjoy it and they've obviously missed out, but ultimately they've got over the line. They've got where they want to be next season, whenever next season happens. And and Falkirk, it's uh, it's obviously really disappointing and worrying times for them because there's a, there's obviously a lot of boys in that club that will depend on their contract, which league they're going to be in as well. So I mean that's there's huge huge hurdles for clubs and players as well. I mean players' contracts sometimes depends on which league you're going to be in. So there'll be guys that that possibly could be out of jobs, and and people kind of forget that as well. 
Thank you very much to Robert Newlands for kicking us off tonight Cammy Bell is in the studio Hugh Keevans is in his man cave And they're both waiting for your calls 01419511025 We could be speaking to you next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Helping you return to action Talk to Thompson's.com Cammy Bell is here in the studio Hugh Keevans is in his man cave at home And they're both waiting for your calls Usual number or on Twitter At Clyde SSB Let's speak to Gus who's in Calderbank Hi Gus How you doing there? Not bad, how are you? Just a uh, well, wee bit fed up now with the way things are going But see the bluster and the lack of evidence Presented here by Rangers this week It's starting to get alarming They've called for this Neil Doncaster's suspension This guy was a friend of theirs At the beginning of the last decade When they were in a deep crisis themselves That beggars belief You've also got the Rangers fans They should be asking themselves What about the financial state of Rangers Where we've had a whole group of people in there Who have let this, this great institution Kind of diminish year by year And also you've got a lot of good Rangers fans Now are starting to get disillusioned With the kind of words coming out from the Rangers they want to see a bit more credibility. And today, in the Times, Graham Spears is taking Rangers to task and asked them, what exactly are Rangers aiming to gain from this kind of scenario that they've involved themselves the last week, week and a half? Well, Rangers, I would imagine, and no, no one has sort of, you know, gone on the record other than, than the statements, but the statements are pretty clear. What they're trying to achieve would be some sort of transparency into what went on. But where's their evidence? They, they Good question. Last week, and evidence was there for them. But if you've got evidence, then surely you present it to the the people who are involved instead of just giving this cheap, scattered gun approach where they're falling out with just about everyone in Scottish football. They're actually now going back to where they were at 10 years ago where they're going to make a lot of enemies again. I mean, that, that's we're sort of going off on a few different tangents there, Hugh, but if we're talking about right now, like I say, if you ask someone at Rangers, what are you trying to achieve? I'm pretty sure that's what the answer would be, that they want some sort of Transparency into to what went on and to make sure that everything was above board. That would that would be the obvious aim. As a born and bred Glaswegian, uh, I, I think I understand the basic motivation. Uh, Rangers, in the form of uh, the interim chairman Douglas Park, uh, must be seen to do whatever they can uh, to get the season to a thirty-eight game conclusion and try whatever they can on and off the park to prevent Celtic from winning nine in a row. That's the basic motivation in a city as deeply divided as this one is. While there seems apparently no likelihood of this season being able to be played to a 38-game conclusion, the SPFL are trying to come up with a way of finishing the season. And if with UEFA's sanction, it is decided that the only thing that can be done, because no football is possible, is to call the season at this point. Celtic are therefore the champions. I can understand why many Rangers supporters do not want to see that happen and are saying that things are unfair or the, the league title would have an asterisk against it. However, I, I go back to what is confronting mankind today, not the SPFL, not Scotland as a country, not the UK, not Europe. Mankind is faced with a problem that so far we cannot overcome. Yeah, but no one, no one would argue that. And you've given some of the, the sort of football outcomes, if you like, about you know where the season goes. But surely a lot of this goes back to the vote. There's not been a single pundit on the show in the last two weeks that doesn't think the process of the vote 
has been anything more than anything less, I should say, than let's call it confusing at best. I think everyone's confused by it, and then some people can make up their own minds if they think there's anything more in it. So, so what's wrong with with trying to find out what happened? I think that uh, when day one of lockdown came, every club chairman should have been thinking, what's the end game here? Uh, when will we get football back? Will football be possible uh, before the scheduled end to the season? And how is this lockdown going to impact on my club in hard financial terms? Uh so to say that three weeks later when you're asked to vote, oh, wait a minute, it's all a bit of a hurry. It has to be on your mind. I don't think that it was rushed. I don't think that anyone was bullied or coerced. And at the end of the day, 81%... Having said that, you would admit yourself you don't know that for sure. I'm not saying I disagree, but you would have to admit that you can't possibly know that at the moment. But, but Yeah, but, that, but that's why I said, I don't think, I, I'm only speaking yep. for me, and I don't think that anyone was rushed, bullied, coerced. I think they What are you voted. basing that on then? I think they voted, Gordon, uh, on the basis that if they didn't get in money quickly, they would go to the wall. I think that was the, the primary motivation for a lot of people. And while this continues, clubs, large and small, must be worried about their financial future because... A club with a, a wage bill the size of Celtic, even with wage deferrals, they're still paying out money on a weekly basis that's eye-watering and not a thing coming in through the gate. And Rangers are the same. Celtic are in a far more robust financial position than Rangers. So Rangers should be concerning themselves with the amount of money going out and absolutely nothing coming in. So I think survival was the primary motivation for a a lot of the 81% who voted for this. But at the point at which Dundee's no vote became a yes vote, I fully admit that their conduct has thrown this thing into upheaval. It looks like a carry-on movie now. But Cammy, of course, your argument and many others would argue that, that there was a way of of doing both, if you like. Why not find a way of getting the money out now and then worry about the football implications a bit later? Because no one would argue with Hugh's assessment that the clubs needed money. Yep. The question is, was this the only way of rectifying that? I, I, I do get why they've done it. But again, I, I go back to, could we uh, give the clubs the money that the positions are in at the moment and waited until possibly, say, the 31st of May? Um, and, and waited a little bit longer You look at England They're obviously waiting as long as they can They seem very calm down there at the moment I mean, I know finances are completely different But if we had gave the clubs some money at the moment Even if it was a full payment of the positions they're in at the moment And then for next season Then the, adjust the payment If we get the season back playing um, again And, and mm. you could give or take whatever they owe from, from this season um, and if it doesn't happen on the 31st of May Then that's when you make the decision And say look we've gave it as long as we can We obviously need to look to the future um, Of where we're going to be But I get what Hugh said before as well That obviously the SPFL maybe have been stung before but With money But they, they're in hope that most of the clubs Can keep going until the end of the season A lot of the lower league clubs need the money at the moment Because they're not obviously getting the gate receipts in But a lot of contracts will be finished by the 31st of May as well So they'll not have many players on their books Beyond that mm -hmm. Uh, the wheels are in motion though For anyone who has any doubt How quickly this would move on We're not going to draw a line under it clearly But but the resolution passed if you like And the prize money's being dished out already More than 1.8 million started to be released To the lower league clubs 
uh, today The SPFL confirmed So it was the Championship League 1 and League 2 of course uh, Receiving outstanding prize money um, As we know lots of them have furloughed staff And things like that Various fundraising initiatives on the go Some sides have already received their share of the money All funds I think were due today So you know, I would imagine that that's all Pretty much been done and dusted And for anyone who's forgotten Amongst all the arguing No money to the top flight yet Because that actually hasn't been called UEFA are meeting on the 23rd of April And it would be after that That we would uh, find out a bit more About where the Premiership goes from here But the SPFL confirming today That prize money is being released To the lower league clubs Thank you very much Gus and Calder Bank Let's speak to Tommy and Greenock Hi Tommy Hi, how are you doing? How are you doing, guys? Uh, well, he's actually just over thunder to be back. So I was actually going to say, Carney's the only one I've heard speaking any sort of sense when he says, why didn't they just put out the money with the league positions and see if they could come with resolution? And also, Hugh was saying about people being bullied. I don't think so much about bullied, Hugh. I think they were desperate. They had desperate to get the money. Um, and this was the only resolution the SFA were putting on the table. So they, 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 it's a no option for them to vote for it. And going on, going on further, with the financial implications, it's only going to be a stopgap. It's like the guy put the sign on the wall, eh, damn, because with no funds coming in, we're not sure what's going to happen next next season with crowds, because we're talking about it could still be social distancing and stuff like that. So, who's going to buy a season ticket when you might not get to yeah, a third mm. of the games or, or, or less? Um, and one, as I say, one, one of the biggest booties now is actually coming out and say they're not going to pay out if Celtic are declared the winners. Yeah, Hugh, the, the thing that Tommy said to kick us off there, that's the bit that still remains unanswered. So whether you go as far as wanting an independent investigation or not, it would still be nice to just find out a little bit more about exactly why clubs couldn't receive money now and a football decision be made later. The only real explanation we've had so far is because you just can't. And you, that's difficult for people to just accept. Yeah, of course, transparency is always the the, the best option. Uh, if I'm being brutally honest, Murdoch McLennan uh, has been chairman for a couple of years now. He's never opened his mouth about anything. Not a thing. No, never heard a press conference. Uh, has been the, the silent man of Scottish football. Uh, and therefore, it would be nice to hear from him now. Because if... His leadership of the SPFL has been called into question. If his judgment has been called into question by Rangers, and it has, then he could come out and he could be transparent and say, there's no need for an internal investigation and I'll tell you why. So, as I say, I'm all for transparency. But if, on the other hand, you're not getting it and you want people to be suspended, then you too have to come forward in a transparent way and tell us why. Is that the bit that you think sticking in the throats of some people, Cammy? If you can't, for whatever reason, get prize money released early or, or come to some sort of arrangement, people perhaps don't feel like that's been adequately explained to them. And again, maybe there's been more of an explanation offered behind the scenes, I would imagine so. But for fans on this programme, that's the bit that they can't seem... To get their head round and, and you are just one of a number of pundits We've had this week Making a similar point Yeah I mean uh, Again it's a, uh, I, I make the point I don't really understand Why they can't Can't release the money um, Especially when they've made The decision on the lower leagues And if you look at the actual figures Of what the lower leagues teams Were getting You're, you're talking No team's going to jump From bottom of the league To top of the league If we get back playing In eight, eight or nine games Whatever left of the season So you're talking maybe A swing of 20 grand for, for a team 
So it's not a huge amount of money at, at, at that sort of level, and that's that's probably looking at a championship when you when you filter down, you're talking between ten and five grand. So to just make the decision and say, look, uh, if somebody goes above you, if if we get back playing, we delay it until we can. Thirty first of May, if we the government say, look, we're not going to go any further. It, this this crisis is continuing. Then we make the decision. Then we've gave it as long as we can. We've gave it as much chance as we can. Um, we've also kept the clubs afloat by giving them their money. And then you make that decision. And say, look, that's the season finished. But I, I just think they could have delayed it a little bit longer. I don't I, I don't understand why they're rushing the vote. They could have gave the vote until the end of April, and let everyone see where we're at a little bit longer. Tommy, could I say that I wonder if it sticks in my throat a wee bit? Go for it. The whole, the whole voting system You can change your mind if you voted no But you can't change your mind if you voted yes It doesn't make sense, is it really? Uh, to most people it doesn't seem to Hugh, that's the feedback we're getting on, on the phones And on Twitter Partick Thistle obviously make that point They went and got their own Legal advice on it You have to imagine That the SPFL though are confident With their legal position on it And this is the bit that comes a l- Quite difficult for for fans or, or or people like us to to jump in the middle of you, you. You've got one legal opinion saying one thing, and presumably another legal opinion saying the opposite. Uh, I think that we are being confronted by the biggest crisis to hit Scottish football in almost 150 years. The entire history of our game. This is the biggest crisis to hit our game. If it is the case that company law says you can change a no vote but cannot change a yes vote, then could Rod McKenzie, on behalf of the SPFL, come out and tell us, is that the case? Uh, Because this goes to the very crux of the matter. When a no vote became a yes vote, therefore a resolution was passed. So is this possible? Is it company law? Tell us. And with regard to investigations or the need for one or the denial of one Murdoch McLennan as chairman of the SPFL in tandem with Neil Doncaster the chief executive of the SPFL should come out and explain everything from A to Z as I say Scottish football is approaching its 150th birthday this is the biggest crisis in a century and a half all transparency Gratefully received Thank you Yeah Cammy, That's an interesting point Hugh makes about Transparency Or what people think Transparency means This is not a An ego thing This is not me saying Neil Doncaster Must speak to You know To Clyde One Super Scoreboard But And this This, this applies to clubs as well They seem to be Hell bent on providing Their version of clarity Which comes in the, the Form of these Big long statements we've, we've become such a Statement culture And sometimes it, it doesn't actually Answer all the questions That you need but you go back to when this crisis first started, and and everyone was asking Boris Johnson to go and speak to the public and let them let them know and let let him answer questions from from journalists and everything. And and it would be it'd be good if our authorities came out and done the same, came out and and explained the decision, explained why the why the vote went from from what it did from Dundee and changed, uh, explained all the situations, and then and then it becomes a bit of clarification for everyone. And I don't think we get. This argument as long as it's going to go on for um, Until they come out and explain themselves It's going to continue Robbie Nielsen's already planning for life in the top flight Dundee United are the winners of the championship And we're going to hear from him next 
Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com. Cammy Bell and Hugh Keevans here with me, Gordon Duncan, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevans, we've got another statement. Oh no! Don't worry, it's it's, it's not that explosive. Um, the reconstruction group has been announced. Les Gray and Anne Budge have today announced the first meeting of the reconstruction group. Wonder how they came up with that title. Will take place on Monday at four p.m. Now, as you know, Anne Budge and Les Gray are the joint chairs of this group. And it will also include representatives from the following. Now, it's quite a long list. Bear with me. Airdrie, Air, Cove, Dundee, Edinburgh City, Falkirk, Morton, Hamilton, Hibs, Partick Thistle, Queen's Park, Wraith Rovers, plus a Highland League and a Lowland League representative. Now, the immediate question that springs to mind, who's going to work the machine that sends in Dundee's vote? <laughs> well, John John Nelms is the the representative from Dundee on that board. Uh, there's a Highland League and a Lowland League representative, Cami. So again, that would underline the fact that, that there's clearly a move to try and get them added to the yep. to the league rather than have them missing out. What do you make of that? I don't suppose it. All, all the the usual suspects are there, if you like. You know the ones that would would be losing out. Falkirk are on it. Partick Thistle are on it. Hearts are on it. Um, Stranraer aren't actually for, for me the the one you go straight to is is Anne Budge is, is one of the head head of the board um, and and she's heading up so she's obviously not going to want her club getting relegated so for me it tells its own story the way that this is going to go and and again you look at there's not a lot of clubs if they reconstruct it there's not a lot of clubs that are going to lose out uh, most people would go for it and would be happy uh, Falkirk would would move up a league like obviously they're very close to. To Rafe Rovers, who have been made champions, um, Partick Thistle will stay in the league. Um, again, for me, it's got to be right for Scottish football long term. I, I don't think we just change things short term to keep people happy. Um, I know we're in a crisis at the moment. I get that, but it's got to be a long term thing. Mm. You can't just say we we'll do it for one season just to keep everyone happy. Yeah, what about that then? What about reconstruction? You've just heard who's on the reconstruction group. They will meet on Monday at 4pm. What are your thoughts for where that goes? Um, let's hear from Ro- Robbie Nielsen. The Dundee United boss is delighted. He can now plan for a season in what he hopes will be an expanded top flight. He's been speaking to our senior sports reporter Alison Conroy after their title was confirmed by that SPFL vote. Obviously, it's probably not the way we would have, would have liked to finish the season. You, generally, when you, you win a league, you have that final final day where you have the celebration and the, the fans and that excitement. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. Obviously, there's, there's bigger issues in the, in the world at the moment, and we just have to accept that. Look, the objective at the start of the season was to, to win the league and get promoted, and we've managed to do that. From day one, we were in first position, and we're just glad that it's um, finally been done. There's chat now about league reconstruction. What what are your thoughts on that and there being a bigger top flight next season? Look, I had a, I had a great playing career at Hearts for a number of years and I was a manager and had some great success and some wonderful people. I, I was looking forward to to going back to, to Tynecastle next season. I think it's a it's a great place to play. It's a great place to manage. It's brilliant day out for the fans. So you know, if I had my way, I'd like to see Hearts in top flight. But it's ultimately it's out of our hands. It's up to the the teams and the, the owners and CEOs in the top flight to make a decision on that. Let's go through that bit by bit, Hugh. He kicks off by saying, and this is a fairly obvious statement, you know, it's it's not an ideal way to win it. You get why 
A lot of focus And it's understandable And it's right You know the clubs Who were set to lose out The clubs who could be relegated The clubs who could suffer Real financial problems Of course they get The most of the sympathy Um but it is worth at least sparing a little thought For the Dundee Uniteds of the world Who have had the chance to win the title In a conventional manner taken away from them Yeah, that there'll be a welcome addition To the division uh, How many teams will be in the division? Um, you know, the, the, the accusation Or one of the accusations made Was that we rushed the, the vote on the SPFL proposal To make Dundee United champions To call the lower leagues at an end and to see if it was possible to finish off the 38-game Premiership. Now, if we're accused, or the SPFL have been accused of rushing that, here we have a situation now where Ann Budge and the Reconstruction Group have approximately six weeks to change the entire structure of Scottish football. They're not rushing things. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think um, there's huge decisions to be made. Uh, I think I read the, that there wouldn't be a decision made till the sort of end of May if, if the the reconstruction was going to happen. But um, no, I mean that's it's a, it's a huge call to to reconstruct the league. And as I said before, it's for me it's got to be for the benefit of Scottish football long term. It can't just be a people pleaser and and understand it's going to hurt clubs that get relegated. But ultimately, they've they've played. There's been enough games this season and, and, and they've made the decision now that the season's finished So we can't just reconstruct the, the league just to save teams Rab, Rab is a Rangers fan from halfway Hi Rab How are you doing? Not bad, how are you? Ah, not bad, not bad Good stuff What's on your mind? This, the evidence that Rangers have got Obviously I don't know anything But see if the evidence was strong enough Would you just hand it over to the SPFL? Or would you wait for a private inquiry? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question, Rob, and I'm sure lots of people are asking it, but I'll go back to something Hugh said earlier on, though. In, in order to sort of get the, get the inquiry, get the independent investigation, are the league supposed to just say, all right, yeah, no problem. Rangers, if you say so, no, no worries. Neil Doncaster, the chief exec, out you go, but, you know, because Rangers say so. Hugh was asking earlier, does there not need to be some sort of justification for that? I suppose But I know If, if, if you have evidence And it's against them The last person You could be given to Is them well, Yeah I mean I, I get that Hugh I, I get the sort of Keeping your cards Close to your chest thing But going back to, to Your point To kick this off Earlier on I'm not really sure How we go, we go anywhere With that then I don't, I don't think People are uh, Appreciating the enormity Of this This is the chief Executive of the SPFL, the group who administer our league football in Scotland. You're calling for his immediate suspension. The in-house lawyer, Rod McKenzie, this is a legal man. And you are hinting at impropriety. So I think you're obliged to tell anyone that you want to support your case for an investigation why you want this investigation. If you are implying wrongdoing, by all means, let us know what that wrongdoing is and then we can all get on with it. I mean, for instance, Rob, if Rangers need an ally in all this, and I don't know if they do, but, but let's say it would strengthen their case to get Hearts or Partick Thistle or Falkirk or whoever it may be, if it would strengthen Rangers' case to, to, to get them on board in a joint movement to, to drive forward an independent investigation, would you not at the very least have to say to them, look, here's what we've got and, and this is why you have to join us on this 
on this cause but who say they haven't Because there's, who's a whistleblower Where well, did they come from Well I don't see you, you, Again you might be right But as things stand at the moment I don't see Hearts or Partick Thistle or Falkirk In a desperate attempt To call for the suspension of Neil Doncaster Based on Partick Thistle And the reason they're not taking them to court Is because they don't have the funds to fight it So they need to accept it Well you see now we're going down to all manner of roads here now uh, We're implicating other people in this only one club have come forward and said they want the immediate suspension of the chief executive and the in-house lawyer at the SPFL. It is therefore down to that club to tell us what evidence they have, how serious is this, because, as I say, this is the chief executive of a major organisation within football and a legal man. So I think in fairness to all, come out, and if Rangers do have evidence that merits an external investigation, by all means, let's have one. I am not defending the SPFL either collectively or on an individual basis. But we need to examine the strength of the case. And if an external investigation is merited, by all means have one. But we need to know what's going on. No matter what side of this you fall on, Cammy, I think everyone could at least agree that it just adds to the size of this mess. You know, if if the vote, the resolution, the Dundee situation, the anger from clubs, the reconstruction, as if as if that wasn't enough, we now we we've got that as a subplot. And like I say, that that's not to say it's right or wrong, but how we manage to sort out both at the same time in the next couple of weeks <laughs> seems ambitious, considering the, the the mess we made of a, a simple vote last week. <laughs> You're right. It's it's. Uh... It's a mess. That, that's the, that's the key word. It's an absolute mess, and and again, it stemmed from a vote that I don't think was constructed right from our um, top bodies, um, and that's that's led to to this mess that that Rangers are obviously challenging. They, they say they've got evidence, whether they have or not. They're going to have to show it if they have, if they want this to go any further. Um, but I mean, again, we go back to. Speaking about Neil Doncaster and, and coming out and, and talking to the media and making statements and letting all the the fans know that what's been going on and what went wrong in the vote um, and explaining it, I, I, f- I think clarity here from from the top bodies is what we need. Rab and halfway, thank you very much. That takes us up to this. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun for the best football news and opinion online. The Scottish slash football. Right, amongst all the squabbling, here's a nice way to end the week. Come on here, get more questions right than Cammy Bell, who's definitely playing tonight because Hugh Keevens is in the house. And if you get them right, you walk away with the signed ball. 01419511025. Have the call in before seven o'clock. And no, we won't be extending the deadline. You need to call before seven. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years. Talk to Thompson's.com. Hugh Evans is in his man cave Cammy Bell joins me Gordon Duncan in the studio We're about to speak to the head of PFA Scotland Our very own Fraser Wishart He's going to chat to us all things About the potential of playing games behind closed doors And I'm sure a few other topics on our mind as well So we'll speak to Fraser as soon as we finish this Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online Thescottishsun.co.uk slash football also got some interesting mail sent to the studio this afternoon, Hugh, which I'll tell you all about. I know you'll be interested because usually the, the hate mail comes in for you 
And this one had my name on it Which made me extra suspicious um, It was a quite an interesting package So I'll tell you what, we, what, what was inside it After we play with David and Lindsay Hi David Hi, how you doing? Not too bad, how are you? Yeah, good thanks, good Are you keeping well? Are you missing the football? Yeah, yeah, I missed the football But um, looking forward to this ending And getting back to work Exactly, you may get a signed ball To kick around the house if this goes well We're going to put you up against Cammy Bell On Beat the Pundit So I'll give him something else in his ear That way he can't hear your answers, David Have you ever played before? No, right. no I haven't I've just listened to it tonight yeah, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you know It's quite simple 30 seconds on the clock the only thing you need to know is that you can pass. So if you don't know it, pass it quickly and move on to the next one, okay? Yep. Good okay, man. Thanks. Your time starts now. Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Wee Rovers? Uh, Albion Rovers. Who's the current manager of Cove Rangers? Uh, Paul Hartley. Who did Rangers face in the 2008 UEFA Cup semi-final? Uh, what country won Euro 96? Germany In which year did Lubo Mravchik sign for Celtic? Pass At what stadium does Stenhouse Muir play their home games? Pass Okay, let's bring Cammy back yeah. in Cammy, can you hear us? Yes Great, same set of questions to you 30 seconds on the clock Have you ever played before actually? No, this is yeah. debut Yeah, you've been in a few times You've never played Right, here we go Let's see how it goes 30 seconds on the clock Your time starts now Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Wee Rovers? Pass Who's the current manager of Cove Rangers? Uh, Paul Hartley Who did Rangers face in the 2008 UEFA Cup semi-final? Oh, pass Which country won Euro 96? Uh, Germany In which year did Lubo Mravchik sign for Celtic? 2002 At which stadium does Stenhouse Muir play their home games? Local View Who is the current manager of Stoke City? Um, Mike O'Neill How many Scottish Cups have Hibs won quickly? One Okay So he got through a bit more than you David But he passed a couple as well How do you think it went? Uh, yeah Confident? Um, uh, a resounding defeat uh, I'm not sure I think you did quite well You kicked us off You went in front early on Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Wee Rovers? That was first question nerves Albion Rovers <sighs> First question nerves from you 1-0 to David Who's the manager of Cove Rangers? Paul Hartley You both got it So it's 2-1 to David Who did Rangers face in the 2008 UEFA Cup semi-finals? It was Fiorentina <sighs> So it stays 2-1 oh, yeah. At yeah. which country won Euro 96? It was Germany You both got it So you stay one behind David uh, Hugh, Euro 96 I'm sure you'll remember it well They played it on the TV last night And um, it was they were Obviously from a, from an English perspective And Teddy Sheringham yeah. and guys were on And they were talking about the game against the Netherlands And how brilliant they were And Teddy Sheringham with a wee smile on his face said Yeah, I mean And at 4-0 the, the, the Scots were going through And then the Netherlands scored at 4-1 And the Scots were out So that was a shame That was the point that I turned it off And threw my TV remote away Well He's a big pal of Alec Ray's So the next time we see Alec Tell Alec to sort him out Yeah we'll have to have words I think uh, We would do the same Let's be honest In which year did Lubo Moravchik sign for Celtic? Uh, let me bring in our Lubo Moravchik correspondent Mr Keevans Would it be Either 1997 or 98 98 None of you got it At which stadium does Stenhouse Muir play their home games? This was your last question David It's Oakleview And Cammy got it So he pulls level He got more questions in than you Who is the current manager of Stoke City? It is Michael O'Neill He got it He goes in front And uh, there's no way back for you Hibs have actually won three Scottish Cups Um, But I'm afraid It was a late run David A frantic finish from Cammy Bell And he pips you by one 
Well done, Cammy. Sorry, David. Sorry, Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Look at that. I, I like that. That was magnanimous as well. When it's Mark Wilson and Gordon Diel, they cheer, they bang oh, the they desk. They, they? Yeah, they say that serves you right for phoning in, <laughs> and you took. You. That was that was a nice an apology, Hugh Evans. He can come back anytime. Nice manners. This is the longest unbeaten run I've been on, Cammy. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, you could play from home. I'm just a bit wary that it would just be our luck that we would put you on and then a, d- a delay would kick in and it would be chaos and you'd break that machine that you've got there and I just don't think it would work out well. Do you know, I, I don't even let Lady Keevens in here to, to tidy up this room in case she bangs the machine or knocks it off the table or anything. I've, I've, I've got the studio protected here. Was the house phone ringing earlier on? Because I think I could hear it. It was. Uh, it's alright, uh, I'll forgive you. <laughs> two, two daughters Daughters and mothers It's uh, it's a no-win situation, Cammy Speaking of technology Came into the studio today And obviously the office is prima- Pretty much closed to you There's not, not many people here um, But on my desk was a, a package um, You know, quite a, a decent size With my name and the name of the show And the address on it um, Which made me instantly suspicious So I picked it up Held it to my ear To make sure it wasn't ticking um, I then gave it the sniff test To make sure it wasn't going to poison me and I eventually plucked up the courage to open it, Hugh. And it was a package that came with a note and it said, Gordon, I can no longer suffer the incessant clicking of that mouse you use. Please find enclosed a replacement device with silent click buttons. And he has indeed sent in a cordless mouse for me to use on the show. I had no idea that it was so annoying, but for just one final time to whoever it was that sent it. There you go. Enjoy the mouse click. Listen, I think you should make the grand gesture on behalf of Scottish football and you should give away that mouse that you've just been sent. You should give it to John Nelms at Dundee (laughs) so that they can fire off a vote that they actually mean. It's a good suggestion. It's a good suggestion. I'll need to see. I'll run it past the boss and and see if it's going to get used in the studio. And I'm certainly not setting it up. There's no chance I would trust you to set it up either. So there are too many screens and buttons in here for me to be messing with. Anyway, 01419511025. That's the number you need to get in touch. And we are on Twitter at Clyde SSB now. I'm pleased to say we're joined by our old pal, head of PFA Scotland, Fraser Wishup, joins us on the line. Fraser, how are you? I'm very well. I see the lockdown madness has kicked in. Yes. I just came in and you're talking about click, clickless mouses and uh, Hugh Keevans uh, getting his hoovering done and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. No football. It turns, it turns us all mad. We don't need football, though, for drama in this part of the world, <laughs> Fraser. The last week has taught us that. Um, I'm wondering, though, from a, from a player's point of view or from a, a player's union point of view, where we're at at the moment if you like a couple of weeks past the possibility if you can call it that of of behind closed doors games and all the rest of it still very much in the air where, where are the players at the moment on that front you mean simply in terms of the, the closed doors games yes Gordon yeah I mean we we um, made a statement I think it was actually the day before football was suspended uh, we did a a conversation we, we've got a management committee led by Liam Craig and also David Gray Michael Devon a whole other guys on it as well, so they basically are kind of bored, if you like. So um, I ran it past them, saying, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. The game's going to be suspended. Uh, there's a view to perhaps, and there was a view at that time to try and finish him this season at that time by playing behind closed doors. And of course, that, that uh, I think in Italy it was Juventus had a game behind closed doors before the complete lockdown. And there's one of the players who sat on the bench, unknown to himself, actually it was 
positive with COVID-19 as, as well. So that became a no-go area for us, and we, we integrated that to uh, to the SPFL, and, and we've kept that that line uh, quite clear. But of course, things have, have changed. Things have kind of moved on slightly. And, and just to make it clear, I think people have been accusing us of doing a, a U-turn and speaking to the management committee tonight, because we just actually finished a management committee meeting. Um, just to make it clear, it's not particularly like U-turn. That was a decision there and then at that time because of the, the, the sort of um, things to do with COVID-19. And obviously things have moved on and there might be the opportunity to complete the season or the premiership season on the, on the park. I mean, I think it's highly unlikely, but it might be able to... And our management committee decided they didn't want to be a barrier to that. So we're not going to say no, absolutely, but there need to be a, a number of things in place to protect the players should they decide to play. No, I mean, health and safety and uh, clean grounds, etc., etc., and all the, the complications that come there. But also insurances of players extending their contracts, which will be difficult, but insurances in place of injury insurance and income insurance should they pick up an injury during that extra month period. So there's a bit of work to be done, but we left the door open to, to conversations with the governing bodies should that be the only way we could, we could complete the season. What about the issue of player contracts, Fraser? Because I think you had the the, the good fortune of, of being here on, on night one, really, when all this kicked off. You know, when our first game was cancelled, the Motherwell against Aberdeen, and we sort of knew we were in this for, for the long haul. And, and, and you quite rightly pointed out that one of the main obstacles to potentially just starting down the line could be player contracts. And I noticed over the last couple of weeks, you know, some stuff coming out of FIFA about, you know, potentially being willing to... to to, to come up with some sort of solution How much of an obstacle would player contracts be To extending the season? Well I, I think you're right We've been fairly clear and fairly consistent On a number of topics and, and this was one we raised You're absolutely right on this show On day one And I think it took people a long time To actually understand exactly that problem You can't play football without players And at that point uh, The lower leagues were still going And, and uh, as Cammy knows, you know most players in the lower leagues um, from Championship down, the majority of players are on yearly contracts. You know, so the contracts ran out. So that was going to be very difficult. But even if you look at the Premiership and if you do a quick internet search, you'll see newspaper articles going back to, to January where you know 110, 120 players are out of contract in the Premiership. Some clubs 10, 12, 15 players. So I mean, we're part of the world governing body, FIFA, and we've been linking in with them, and they speak to FIFA about about that edict. As well, and, and FIFA can say yes, extend the contracts. But you can't make somebody extend the contracts. And if you're going to do it, we would again have to look for, ter- for certainly terms and conditions to be put in place where it'd be mandatory for the club to, to offer every single player. It would be wrong to be selective and extension to the contract. But you have to understand as well, it's a human right. You don't have to extend it if you don't want to. And I think that then has an issue over over integrity. If you've got a club that's that's, that's got ten players out of contract and only be signed three of them, you know they're weaker. You know, for example, so. That becomes very difficult. We have different in Scotland from England. In England, the contracts run to June the 30th, in Scotland, it's June the 9th. And, uh, and that causes a, a, a huge issue going forward. But again, not insurmountable if there was a view to be able to play. But I think it's looking less and less likely we can actually finish the season on the field of play. Hugh Evans, I know you'll have some questions for Fraser while, he, while he's on the phone. Fraser, I assume that uh, football will only resume in this country and across the border in England with government approval because of the medical situation. Would I be right in saying that, that football could not take the decision on its own to come back? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to go by government guidelines, and I think even to come back um, behind closed doors would require a bit of finessing with, with the government, because at the moment you're not allowed gatherings of more than two. Now, if you were to put a, a game on the field of play, 
even just behind closed doors, you'd, you'd have to have you know people there. If you had, if you're putting television, for example, you'd have television people there. You'd have medical people. would be a gathering. Even the players themselves would be gathering in more than groups of two as well. So uh, yeah, we are a bit off from that, Hugh. And at the moment, as we know, football has been suspended until June the 10th. You know, and, and after that period, you know, players have been off for three months. And I know that they're all doing training plans and. You see online these five and ten k competitions, but uh, you know they're in the house the same as, as us and just going out for a for a, a run for an hour. They're not keeping themselves to that fitness, so you need a guesstimate of, of four weeks minimum to get themselves up to any kind of speed as well. So you know we're we're talking about into July, well into July before we even get to any kind of decent at the very very earliest. But even then, I think that's optimistic. I think. The truth of the matter is that nobody knows when it's going to start. We're in the government's hands. Lockdown may continue. And until we know from the government, then football can't possibly give us a date when it's going to restart. For training, never mind games. Fraser, it's Cammy. How are you doing? Hi, Cammy. You well? Yes, I'm good. It was just a, a quick mention of the the, the PFA for, for you guys. You've been absolutely phenomenal for the players. We've had daily updates from the PFA as a union, um, which has been great so much. Um, information every single day, whether it being about our mental health, whether it being about obviously statements that are getting released daily from the SPFL, from clubs, whatever, um, and they've been phenomenal for the players, and it's a real sort of a real reason of why we've got this union and why you are so strong. You are obviously having meetings in the background all the time, and and it's been great as, as being part of the PFA, um, reading all this information. It really does help the players, and and it would just like like to say thanks to you as well for 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 doing all this. Well, thank you, Cammy, and it's really good to hear from somebody like yourself. And we're getting great feedback from from players across across the board. Um, of course, we use usual negativity. I've heard negative comments from from club directors and chairmen about the way we've approached it. But um, I think we had to put in place almost like a kind of crisis management strategy, and we've been working towards that strategy, Cammy. And I think communication with our members was absolutely critical. And you're right, every single day for the last four weeks, we've sent something out to the members. There's one on its way tonight. It'll be on your phone when you get back. And it's going into, by email, and also going into the, the group WhatsApps. And it's just keeping the players up to speed. I don't think they get any information uh, elsewhere. But we've also got two lawyers working full-time for us as well, um, taking, taking cases, speaking to players. We've had conference calls with club after club as well, and video calls as well. This kind of new way, it's probably not so new, maybe just new to a man of my age, but a new way of communicating as well. And we had a management committee tonight by a video conference as well. So it's been fantastic um, learning curve for us as well but it's nice to hear Cammy and the most important things are the players it's not just about fighting their corner when it comes to the contracts etc but it's also looking at reconstruction and what do the players think about that and make sure their voice is heard in the higher echelons of, of, the, of the game but uh, the first thing first and foremost is, is keeping communication lines open with the members and keeping them up to speed because I think we're the only organisation that looks after their interests I know there are various different categories here Fraser you know, different clubs have taken different steps and, and maybe even different players have got different arrangements with regards to being in furlough or whether it's wage cuts wage deferrals whatever it may be yeah. with a sort of broad view on it how, how satisfied are you at the way players are have been treated th- throughout all this? It varies, sadly. I think most clubs have been okay, Gordon. Um, some clubs have been um, not so okay, and I think that's maybe down to the pressure that directors are feeling. You know, we have a situation where football clubs rely on people going through the gates. We still have a huge reliance on gate money 
for clubs' income, and that's the way that's our trade essentially. You know, that's our, our way of making money in, in this game as well. So I get that some of the directors have, have, have been have been under real pressure, but um, there's been this kind of veiled threat, as you know, from Clause 12, which is the infamous Clause 12, which is not quite as straightforward as the clubs think, and I think they know that, therefore nobody's used it, but sometimes that's been used behind the scenes. But in general, I think clubs have been OK. Uh, many of them have been very good to deal with, and uh, some of them have, have, have had to be prodded and pushed in the, in the, in the one dire- direction. But um, as a union, we've been working flat out, and when you get to the end of something like this, and it's, that's why it's so nice to hear Cammy say that, we've been messages from up and down the country um, from, from players as well you kind of reassess and you think what, what did we do could we have done it better and I don't think we could and I think the staff that we've got PFA Scotland have been absolutely fantastic as, as a legal backup and I think we're at a stage now where hopefully we can actually plan to go forward and work to find some kind of solution to this impossible situation but really as has been said it changes hour by hour never mind uh, day by day and we just have to deal with it as, as things come onto our lap. Have you been able to get into the specifics of, of what would need to be done to create a safe behind closed doors environment, or has it not got that far yet? It's not got that far, Gordon. We've actually um, putting together a kind of document that, that we'll produce is almost there with regards to the sort of um, the, the conditions that we would see it being uh, for restarting football, and we're probably going to need a bit more input from the experts, you know, people who are the doctors, people who are sports scientists, because we need to make sure that players are getting proper um, pre-season training before they start to play games, because you don't want players breaking down and becoming injured, etc. And I think in terms of um, making sure that, say, a ground was, was getting played on, whenever that is, that it's going to be free of COVID as well. We're really on the hands of the experts and probably government and, and, and medical experts in there as well. So we're not really at that stage yet. And I think the, the, the most annoying thing, or the most frustrating thing, I should say, and that's across the board for everybody I'm sure in life, is we just don't know when this is going to finish. We don't have a date, and uh, nobody can actually put a date to say, right, we're going to start on the 1st of September. Then you can start to plan, but nobody knows. And as you said earlier, we're not going to be able to do anything unless the government allows us. Hugh, are you done with him? Will we send him on his way, or have you got something else on your mind? Fraser, being a, a, a gnarled old veteran of Scottish football that you are, uh, you know the, the the furore that's been caused by the the, the vote which took place in midweek, yeah. uh, and the, the the concerns over how or when we can finish this thirty-eight game Premiership season. Would it would it be legitimate to establish a cut-off point and say, look, if we cannot resume by this point, that's it, and we plan for next season, we call the league. At that point, and we prepare for next season. Would a cut-off date be in in order here? Uh, well, I, I think that would be ideal, Hugh. I mean, if that could could come, then I think everybody would want to know one way or another whether there's going to be an effort to complete the season or or not. As I said earlier, it's unlikely, but I can understand why the authorities want to keep the option open. Uh, I think that UEFA muddied the waters with their statements a couple of weeks ago and the kind of underlying comments about you know, perhaps countries like ourselves not having Champions League or Europa League nominees, if you like, but uh, that, I think, might change the whole the whole thing. But um, I understand why they want to keep it open. Everybody wants to be playing football. Everybody wants to decide things on the field of play, if it's possible. And until it's entirely impossible, I think that we have to keep that possibility afloat. But, as I said, I think it's pretty unlikely. And we would all like certainty here. I think everybody... 
from the government down would like certainty over what's going to happen with this this horrible virus, you know. And uh, in the meantime, we can just sit back and actually try and try and do the best we can as a situation un- unfolds for football. And I know sometimes it seems a wee bit unseemly to talk about football, given what's going on in the, in the rest of the world and the poor people who are suffering from this horrible virus. But in the end, again, you know, it's a, as an industry, it employs a lot of people, not just players, but to a lot of people directly, a lot of people indirectly, you know, including ourselves as pundits and restaurants and bars, etc., etc. So it is important to, to Scottish people as well, but I think we have to just be careful when we're discussing the sporting elements that doesn't get a wee bit unseemly given given the situation in the wider world and the more important things are the people's health. Fraser, thanks a lot for joining us. We'll speak to you soon, no doubt. Thank you, Gordon. Thanks. Can we see you soon? Thank you, man. That was Fraser Wishart, head of PFA Scotland, giving us a bit of an update there, talking about how the players won't stand in the way of behind closed doors matches if that's to be the right outcome but of course we'd need uh, assurances on safety and things like that so we're going to get a breather we're going to line up a full time teaser for you so get your pen and paper ready if you want to come up with the answers and we'll speak to some of you on the phone next Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors your comeback is on talk to thompsons.com Cammy Bell and Hugh Keevans Here with me Gordon Duncan On tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard Let's get the full time teaser up and running for you You're only looking for seven players tonight So I have full faith in you That you're going to come up with the answers And a big thank you to Martin Burns Who sent tonight's question in If you want to hear your question on the show The address you need is fulltime at Clyde1.com Martin Burns says Which seven players have played for Celtic And also scored at a European Championship so seven players have played for Celtic and scored at a European Championship. Hugh Evans, one name to kick me off. Craig Burley. No, that was a World Cup. Samaras? Oh, I think you're wrong. You're wrong. He scored uh, in Sweden in 1992. Craig Burley did. Yeah. Mm. Uh, not 1992. Uh, when was... Uh... Yeah, it... it... The European Championships were held in Sweden. Scotland stayed in mm-hmm. North Shopping. But did Craig Burley Craig score? Bur- yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. He's not on the list. Um, George Samaras is though. Cammy Bell. Any more, Hugh? I mean, there's an obvious one. Uh, Larson. Yes. Okay, that's a good start. Henrik Larson and George Samaras. Martin Burns says which seven players have played for Celtic and scored. At a European Championship Georgios Samaras and Henrik Larsson I'm interested in your thinking here Cammy. How you, you went for Samaras first Rather than Larsson I'm just I'm interested in that <laughs> I just came out right, okay. uh, We've got five more Not that there was anything wrong with Samaras no, uh, f- no, Five to go Five to go Let's speak to Jack Who's a Rangers fan from Derby on the line Hi Jack Hi there, how you doing? Not bad, how are you? Not bad, hope you're all well Same to you What's on your mind? Uh, I just You've been going on um, quite a bit this week uh, Gordon asking How does it suit Celtic? Sure. I, I think it's quite obvious how it suits Celtic because the, the Scottish Premier League board, or sorry, the SPFL board, have now got control. They can decide that the league is finished. The advantage that Celtic have in that is that if Celtic were to, re, to, to continue to play football, I mean, the, the, the forum that they were carrying at the beginning, or right up till the, um, the football stopped, was very good. Unlikely that's going to continue. If you've got to get back on that pitch now, it's a bit of a leveller. So, given the choice, wouldn't you rather just say, yeah, we'll take the league, thanks very much, rather than risking it to go back out and to play football again? And, and that in itself brings you to the, the question of the, of the vote. 
why was the vote originally connected to finance and football when it's been proven many times over by various people that the SPFL had the ability to give out loans. Now, Hugh talked earlier tonight about uh, Gretna, I think, who didn't pay back the loan. But this wouldn't be loans from their cash reserves. This would be from the money that was coming to them anyway at some point. So you would pay them maybe 80%. I don't know the, the exact number. But you would pay them quite a lot of money. So it comes back to the vote and the fact that the vote was connected to finance and football. And the, the, the reason for that is that because at the end of the day, there is, you know, a lot of speculation around the, um, the people involved in all that. And, and your question about how does it benefit Celtic, I think it benefits them because there's no risk. There's a great risk if you have to go and start playing football again because your team might not start as well. You know, they, they, they're unlikely to maintain the form they had. And Rangers, you know, will know the form that we had. So I think that probably that's why it is. Now, they've got control. They can decide in the next two or three weeks. Um, they may get off the hook because UEFA might decide all, all championships are finished. But to me, that's, that's been the hub of the matter as to why they tied in football and finance when they knew they could pay out clubs without any problem. And, and I think that from there on, we've now got a farcical situation. I mean, it's so bizarre that I've just read Tom English on the um, BBC's um, Scotland here. And actually, as a Rangers fan, you don't get many that agree with Tom English, but he's written a fantastically good article today which, which validates all this kind of conversation. And, and the points are in there, you know, I mean, these two chaps um, who decided last Wednesday to announce that Dundee United were champions, they, they, wished, they, they congratulated these, these uh, clubs on winning the league. They were awarded the league. They never said anything, not one comment about the poor clubs like Thistle and everybody else who were adversely affected. Yeah, I think you're right. I noticed that actually in, in, in the statement, and I can completely understand why um, people would pick up on that and, and wouldn't be happy with the level of communication. Jack covered a lot of good ground there, Hugh, so... Let's go through it bit by bit. The footballing argument to kick off. Jack thinks this suits Celtic because they might not be able to maintain their pre-shutdown form and that would be a risk to losing the title, so so this suits them. Well, there's a massive presumption built into that because uh, Rangers' form when they return might be even worse than it was before we were forced to stop. Uh, so there's a massive presumption that only Celtic would be affected by form. Uh, it could affect all of the clubs, because this is a completely unprecedented situation. Also, Jack implies, I think, that Celtic are somehow agitating for this. Celtic, as Jack said, were in terrific form, were looking at the prospect of a quadruple treble and must be heartily sorry at what has taken place. Uh, so I think it's wrong mm. to imply that somehow Celtic are on the make here uh, and that it would suit them uh, for the, the league not to be resumed. I'm quite sure that Neil Lennon and all the Celtic players and the Celtic supporters would be very keen Jack, to is it, uh, see out the 38 games. Jack, in the past couple of weeks, you know, we've had players from various clubs on. Um, in fact, your own team, Ryan Jack, we spoke to him on the phone. I think Ryan Christie and Greg Taylor came on from Celtic, both pretty clear that they would absolutely prefer to, to, to play it out and, and, and win it on the pitch. Do you not believe them then? What what is it about that that you don't accept? Well, I, I think I think if you're in a position where you where where you you, you could potentially see all of that that work that you did, um, the great thirteen point league and everything, uh, you know, all that disappear because you have to go back out and play again. And yes, of course, uh, you know, Hugh's completely right. Rangers form might be even worse, but the point is, if you if you're sitting there and someone says, 
can we get this thing without playing? Because I think if we have to play, the form could go out the window. We're at risk of losing. You know, the first games at Ibrox, what if we lose that? You know, you see the point? I do see it, Jack, but the only thing I would say, and they're not all the same, but from the limited experience I have, and this is where I'll bow down to to Cammy's expert opinion, players back themselves, Cammy. Players tend to have the... The opposite The Celtic players were probably Chomping at the bit To go and extend the lead Rather than fearing That they were going to throw it away Yeah I mean For me being a player I think Celtic would have been Desperate to finish the league um, They would have wanted To finish it in style And, and, and get over the line and, and as Robbie Nielsen Said before about Dundee United They want that day of celebration That they've worked hard For all season um, Anything could happen I, I get that um, Form could change But again Rangers' form Could get worse so who knows until it's actually played But I think if you ask a player 100% they would want to, to be To be there at the end And, and win the title on merit of, of playing all the games And finishing the season But ultimately at this moment in time it's, it's impossible to do that And does the same not go for fans Jack? Because again Just based on the fans that we speak to on here You fans are always super confident About, you know, about what your team can achieve So I can only imagine That the Celtic fans have got these High expectations for what would happen at the end of the season And they would actually much rather go for Trophy Day And they would much rather go on Scottish Cup Final Day And potentially win a quadruple treble What is it about all that that, that you don't believe to, to be the case? Do you, do you think that extends to fans as well? Do you think fans are scared of not winning the title? I don't think the players are the people who are going to make the decision you know, So you think is, people high up at Celtic are scared that they won't win the title? Well, I wouldn't say they're scared, but I, I think if you're in a if you're a pragmatic person like some of those chaps are, if somebody says to you, "Look, well, there's a definite risk," well, well, let's go for the non-risk option. <laughs> I would do that, you know. But the I point mean, is that that, it, that that that's the answer. That's my answer to your question about how how are Celtic, um, you know, uh, going to benefit from it. And that's just how I see it. I think the other aspect of this whole debacle is. I mean, we've now got Anne Budge. How does Anne Budge, how is she going to sleep at night when she turns around? She's going to lead this panel that's going to offer reconstruction. This was a lady that I think in 2016 was, was saying we should have half the teams in the league. Now she's going to take it from 42 to 44, maybe 46, who knows? I mean, it just, is there anybody? And, and by the way, if, with regards to Rangers, Rangers should just be quiet. If you're not going to come out and, and tell everybody what's going on, I don't want to hear it, right? But if, if you've got something, come out and make it public. Um, and then going, going back to Hugh's point earlier about who would be um, you know, able to, to look at this, we must be able to get somebody who can come in and do an independent investigation. I'd be quite happy to like Hugh, totally confident. <laughs> that would be good, Jack. That's what we need. I think so I mean he would do a great job The only problem is There'd be no board left He'd sack them all <laughs> uh, Hugh You want to come back in? Um, the, uh, Jack's just giving you A promotion by the way Yeah well uh, I would be a prime example Of why Certain people Would be unacceptable uh, Everyone will be rejected I, I mean As I say I'm all for If there has been Impropriety I am all for it Being properly investigated an external as opposed to internal investigation, I merely raise the point that this is Planet Scotland and if you put somebody up, somebody will object. That is not to say that you should not go after that somebody. Uh, However, I do feel it is incumbent upon Rangers before we establish the necessity for uh, an external investigation, it is incumbent upon Douglas Park to show us what kind of hand he's holding here 
Uh, okay, thank you very much. That was Jack in Derby. There are, we're combining a few different issues here, Cammy. We've tried to separate them over the last couple of nights. It doesn't always work, and, and I appreciate why, but there is the footballing yep. side of this. Would Celtic want to win the title? You, you seem to think yes, Dundee United and all the rest of it. And, but then you go back to the other thing that's a grieving Rangers, which is the vote and the process and the governance. Maybe maybe you can't divide them. I don't know. No, I, I think the... They are part of each other. I think it's this is stemmed from the shambolic vote. To be honest, I, I think the way the vote was handled, the way that everything got leaked, and 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 it was for me, it was rushed. I didn't think it needed to be done as quick. If there was teams on the edge of on the brink of collapse within two three weeks, then the the SPFL should be helping them out with with a a money donation at the time just to to make sure that. The due diligence is done properly on the vote, and and I just felt as if we decided we were doing a vote, and it was six or so days. You needed the the, the twenty eight days, or yeah. It was just it was um I, I don't know. It was just rushed, and I think that's that's why it's exploded so much that it ended up a complete shambles. I think you should lead the the investigation, though, Hugh. I think I think that is yeah. the way forward. The thing is, I've got to turn myself in now. Because uh, I I can't lead the investigation because I've already said that Craig Burley scored in a European mm-hmm. championship. It was, in the, it was the 1998 World Cup and it was in Nor- I know. Uh, against Norway. I know. I, I tried, was there. I know. I tried to get. I tried to help you when I said it was the World Cup, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't be told. That's fine. Uh, but y- y- you're right, Hugh, and I am a, a bit tongue in cheek when we say this because Jack is ultimately right. Surely you can find someone to, to do an independent investigation, and I get that. But at the same time, I do genuinely wonder who would pick it. Because if it was to be an investigation into the SPFL, would the SFA pick the person, or you know the company or whatever? You, you would imagine so. I can't see that sitting right with the people who are on the phones calling for it. Well, the, then would someone not say? But the SFA don't have jurisdiction over the SPFL. What or about our governing body, though, aren't they? Well, as I say, I am not opposed to the idea of an investigation. However, I think we have to establish, before we start suspending people, I think we have to establish the strength of the information that Rangers have implying that this has not been conducted properly. Okay, let's check in on tonight's teaser. Martin's got this question for you. He says, which seven players have played for Celtic and scored at a European Championships? We've got Henrik Larsson and Georgius Samaras, plus about 15 people tweeting me, Hugh, to tell me that Craig Burley made his international career in 1995. So thanks to Mikey and Craig D and um, Dembele, Edward and various others who, who are suggesting it. What, what else you got? I've turned myself on. Did Lubo Maravchik do it? No. What a... Robbie Keane? No. 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 Did Jus Valharen do it? No. Good day? No. no. Ledley? Johan Mialbi? Mialbi, yes. Oh, well ah. done. Hugh Keevans. All right, so that's three down, four to go. We'll get them next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Helping you return to action. Talk to Thompson's.com. Into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard Cammy Bell is in the studio Hugh Keevans is in the man cave And they're trying to cross uh, cross the distance And put their minds together for this teaser Martin Byrne says Which seven players have played for Celtic And scored at a European Championships Henrik Larsson, Johan Mialbi, 
Georgia Samarash You've got four to get Hugh Did you come up with anything Did Mrs Keevans give you a wee clue During the break uh, Did Andreas Tom do it No Stan Petrov Nope Cammy Still thinking Blank, Blank. Alright okay Brian, Brian McClare Yes Oh yes <sighs> Good shout Alright three to get We'll get them before the end of the show I have confidence in you Even though no one else does I'm just trying to think If there are any other um, footballing stories today I don't think so I think we've ticked them all off You all seems to be revolving around Votegate and, and so on I think you've missed one Have Did I? you notice Did you notice that Gordon Strachan Named his all-time best Celtic eleven, And Mark Wilson was in it No way Yes Ah, there must, it must have been a caveat There must have been one of these rules You know, that you can only include X amount of players You know, you, or you must include subs or something There must have been something in it First first pick uh, It might have been uh, Gordon Strachan's Best Celtic eleven While he was the manager But <laughs> I'm sure Mark it was Wilson, But Mark Wilson Was in it I'm going to have to look this up Not that I believe you Not that I don't believe you I just I would, It's remarkable Because you missed quite the exchange Between the two great friends uh, Last night Gordon DL came in Bounding into the studio And he said to Mark Wilson I saw you on television last week In Henrik Larsson's last game You were hopeless I can't believe Celtic signed you On the back of that So uh, so that that sums it up You'll need need to take it up With Gordon Strachan then Uh, Cammy Bell What does the lockdown fitness regime Look like for a goalie Because you've got these stereotypes You guys don't like the running uh, And all the rest of it Is it fair? Uh, it is fair I don't I don't enjoy the running But I know I need to do it um, No it's, it's been alright We're asked to stay out On the countryside So I'm fortunate enough To be kind of out in the open um, And I've just been doing A bit of running I've got a spin bike From when I was Previously injured I've been doing a lot Of spin classes um, On the telly And I just try to keep Keep moving And keep keep mobile And be ready for For obviously Whenever next season happens And I think all players Will be doing the same It's getting out And getting the legs going And and um, it's good for your for your mental health as well to go and try and keep fit. So um, it's difficult times, but you've got to try your best. Not diving about the living room or anything. No, I've no, I've not tried not that. I've, I've actually not seen a football since I left. So I mean, that's obviously um, a lot bit worrying. But I mean, it's it's, it's sort of feels a bit like pre season at the moment because it's only been a few weeks that um, you're just trying mm. to get a bit of running and a bit of general fitness in. Um, but the longer it goes, obviously it'll become a bit more difficult. And, yeah, that's and a good normal. point because what's the this varies, you know. If you get to cup finals and you've got yeah. European qualifiers at the other end, pre-season can be very short. What What would be the longest time off you would expect to get then? A couple of months. Uh, no, uh, no, see, co- when I first started, um, sort of sixteen year ago, it was you would get eight nine weeks off. Um, the last few years that I've been involved in sort of playoff finals, uh, Scottish Cup finals, I've only had three and a half weeks. Uh, but normally, I think nowadays it's round about the sort of. Five and a half, six week mark So we're kind of We're at that now then yeah, seven, That's about seven yeah. weeks isn't it We're kind of just I, It sort of feels like pre-season But the longer this goes on It'll become a bit more different and, and difficult Because most guys will be the same Won't be really doing much football work It'll be just mm-hmm. general fitness work Okay let's take a call from Chris Who's in Canvas Lang Hi Chris Hi how you doing you alright? Not bad how are you? I'm good thanks good uh, How you doing guys? Uh, just a quick point Um to the caller a few calls ago, Cammy, uh, the Rangers fan. So uh, I think it's beggar's belief that we've got Rangers fans clinging on to the fact that Celtic, if we finish the league on the park, Celtic are going to come back, perhaps in a depleted form because of a break. When Rangers have went two winter breaks and come back, 
horrendously from both occasions. So I don't really know why. I just kind of feel it's kind of clutching at straws. And I want to know what you guys think about that. Thank you. Yeah, as I say, for me, uh, it was uh, Jack, the previous caller, who, who made that suggestion. Of course, uh, the Rangers have done, as you say, Chris, and come back from two winter breaks and uh, performed very badly in the back half of the season. That's why I said to Jack, it's not just Celtic whose form might be affected by this long break. Rangers and every other club run that risk as well. My only feeling about this is that if Celtic are declared champions, Celtic did not ask for it, have not agitated for it. It will simply be the outcome of a, a global catastrophe that has impacted on football as it has every other facet of life. They didn't ask for it, but if it comes along, then that's the way it had to happen. I mean, the thing is, Cammy, we're really going back to basics here. Everybody acknowledges that Rangers could potentially catch Celtic and could win. Everyone acknowledges because you couldn't possibly deny that. I think it, it depends the way you're framing it. Jack, the previous caller, and, and a lot of people we've had on, as if it's been, I don't know, you know, sort of maybe driven by, by Celtic or some sort of real burning desire within them. I'm not saying it doesn't suit Celtic, but, but a lot of the calls we've had were, you know, or it's mostly on Twitter. This stuff lives on Twitter, you know, this idea that this vote and, and, and everything behind the scenes has been driven because there's a burning desire to give Celtic the title. And the only bit that no one's really explained to me fully yet this week is how that would be the number one solution. No, I, I mean... I and can I just say, I really think that what Hugh said, um, not often I'll agree, Hugh, but I think you've been quite classy in what you've said about it's a situation that worldwide we're all facing. What I will say off the back of that is that be careful what you wish for, because I think every, over the last couple of years, when, for example, back to Jack's point, when Rangers have hoped and got their break, Celtic have come back tenfold and done the job. So the potential here, if it gets finished on the park, could be Celtic could win the league by 20, 25 points clear. So I just think that it's disappointing the situation probably affects all leagues across the world and it's detriment to the game and people's enjoyment. But be careful what you wish for and I think Celtic, whether they do it on the park or what they've achieved at this point, is more than credible. And that's my point tonight. Listen, I, I totally agree. I think I, I think that all players want to finish the season, but it's impossible at the moment. What's going on throughout the world? It's it's difficult times for everyone. There has to be tough decisions made. The league, the league possibly, well, all the all the lesser leagues have been have been um, stopped and and declared finished. Um, it looks like that's probably going to be the way that the the Premier League goes. But ultimately, Celtic would want to finish it on the pitch because the. They're a top class side I can't see them coming back in, in rusty form and, and losing every single game To the end of the season But again Rangers aren't mathematically Out of it So I think both teams If you ask both teams I think Celtic players Would definitely want To finish the season On the pitch If they can Because as I say Some some players only win One title in their, in their whole career um, it, It'll be the first title For some of them Celtic players as well So they'll want to celebrate that On the pitch With their fans With their families and they're going to miss out on that opportunity. So I think it was, if it was an ideal world, which it's not at the moment, and everybody knows that, then we would have we would be finishing it on the pitch, and that that would be from both all sets of players. 
I mean, Hugh Motherwell could still finish second, and for some reason, no one, no one's, no one's given us the backing that we need to go on and and try and do that on the field. <laughs> uh, removes you know, tongue the, from uh, his cheek. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. It's the, the the part of the world that we come from, though, that somehow this comes down to a conspiracy. Uh, Celtic want to end it this way now. I mean, Celtic would prefer Neil Lennon. I know for sure would prefer to play out the 38 games, but I'm asking everyone to take a look around them, accept the scale of the tragedy that we are dealing with and living through, and if football comes back, okay. But if football cannot come back, it is because of something that has been a global catastrophe, a problem for mankind. The the general feeling, Hugh, is that the vote that decided to end the lower leagues was really just the beginning it was just setting up for the premiership to follow suit a matter of time run it past UEFA on the 23rd and it's it's going to happen is that very much your belief is there any part of you at all that thinks that we somehow might hold off and and try and finish this thing i because i'm housebound uh as a result of the the, the virus stay home save lives you all understand the the, the mantra uh, I follow this very, very carefully. Uh, I, I see the, a death toll rise. I see figures that are astounding, that, that, that defy belief. And how football comes back under these circumstances in the foreseeable future, I do not know. And if a league has to be called and a club becomes champion as a consequence, they sure as heck did not ask for it under these circumstances and on that cheery note that takes us to the end of the show I think Chris and Cambus Lang thank you very much but we do have work to do on the teaser we're looking for seven players that have played for Celtic and scored at a European Championship you've got Henrik Larsson Brian McClare Johan Mialbi Georgios Samaras you've got three to get while a Celtic player did Mo Johnson do it? no remember they don't have to have been at Celtic at the time Paul Lambert no. Paul McStay? Yes, Paul oh, McStay. Yes. Well done. Frank Two. McAvaney? No, none of the remaining ones are Scots. Clue time. Okay. Um, one of them did it in the most recent Euros, I think. And he's still playing in our top division, just not for Celtic. He plays for Aberdeen. Niall McGinn Yes, Niall McGinn And the one remaining one You've already got the country You've you've got You've rhymed off the right country For some of these other players It's not Scotland Where else is on your list of countries? Um, Yep Played for Arsenal Oh, Freddie Lindbergh Freddie Lindbergh We got there in the end Well done Thank you Hugh Keevans And to Cammy Bell For joining me Gordon Duncan in the studio As always Thank you so much For joining us On the phones On Twitter And just for listening as well It's been quite the week Thank you so much For staying with us Throughout it all We're back on Monday In the company of Hugh Keevans And Alex Ray We look forward to you Joining us then George Bowie is just Walking into the studio GBX Friday's up next One.
Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com.